Good morning. I'm glad to see that you're here. This is a good place to be. Oh, thank you, Jeremiah. <laughs> Let's start this morning with singing a song, number 594. 594. Jesus saves. That's right. So I want to welcome each one, each guest here. I don't think I have to welcome regular attenders. We expect you to be here, but we certainly welcome all our guests, whether you're joining us here in person or online or for a recording later on. We're glad you're with us. And I trust that we will be mutually encouraged by one another's faith as we worship the only true God together. I greet you in the name of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This morning I want to read for us a few words from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 44, starting at verse 1. 
But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Yesharun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him, let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. Would you bow your heads with me? Our Father in heaven, we confess that we are people with stubborn hearts. We scarcely want to give up any any sovereignty or right or anything that we think we have before you. But when we consider that you alone are God, that you alone hold all power, dominion, and authority, it causes us to humble ourselves, as you have said we should do, and to bend the knee and to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, as we worship this morning, I pray that you would dispel all thoughts that are contrary to this truth, and that we would together, with one heart and mind, lift our spirits to you, to worship you, the only true God. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's keep on singing together, shall we? Let's turn to number 554. I will sing of my Redeemer. 554. Oh, mm-hmm. 
Let's turn to our next hymn, number 547. In loving kindness, Jesus came. 547. Thank you. 
Good songs, aren't they? Right now, we have a guest with us, Bev Weeb, and she is going to tell us what is happening at Central Station on the streets of Winkler. And so, uh, welcome here, Bev. We're so glad you could make it. And before she comes up, we're going to watch a little video clip. Station is uh, a nonprofit community center, and our primary role really in the community is to connect people to the resources and supports that they need in the community. We start with a lot of practical ways, uh, providing food, providing shelter. Uh, we manage the affordable housing in the community, providing very basic necessities like toiletries and clothing and bedding when needed. Once you can provide for the physical needs of people, you have opportunity then to speak into their lives and offer greater supports, whether that be mental health, financial counseling, parenting classes, cooking classes, uh, free haircuts, income tax, clinics. So as I started uh, volunteering there, I, I never realized how great a need there was in our community, and there is a lot of hurt and addictions and different things that um, people need help with. Whether that be financial need, extreme poverty, issues like human trafficking, abuse, child abuse, the meth crisis, you can't unknow what you've heard and so uh, then there's a great responsibility to do something about it when you know about it. It's affirmed in my mind that there are many people in our community that, that truly understand and know who their neighbor is and want to help that neighbor. In Winkler, it's hard to find a place that you can afford to rent. You know, it's, it was tough. <laughs> Affordable housing has helped me settle and the boy settling down. Uh, somebody told us about Central Station, and I thought, wow, what is that, you know? And I finally know what Central Station is today, to help people and direct people the right directions. I never thought I would make my life better, what I do today. I'm happy to go to work, I'm happy coming home, and I feel like I lifted up, and freedom, and joy. It's, it's a good feeling to help people feel connected to each other and to build relationships with them. It's more about gathering together and while we're sitting and eating, we, we talk a lot. So we t we're telling each other what we've been through, what we're doing and what we're going to do. So that's what, that's what a central station is about as for me, to help people integrate into this town. Just to be a part of something that is helping people to live and to survive and to get through so much heartache and hardship. It's more than a feeling. I feel like it's my calling. God has called us, and I'm going to get emotional. God has called us to love people. That is the Great Commission, to love and to want them to know Christ. And what a better avenue is to meet people where they're at. Central Station is all about building community. It's all about building a place where people feel uh, equipped and empowered to thrive, and that happens through community. Central Station is a place of encouragement. Central Station is a place of hope. 
It's a place where people feel comfortable. Central Station is a place of love, hope, and encouragement. It's a place where you can find where you can find friends, where you can find uh, the information that you need, where where the people that will help you to to feel yourself at home in this town. That's the place. That's the place to come. That's what I can say. Yeah, I get morning. Thank you for having me here this morning. I've watched this video so many times by now. Uh, we just got it in November, I believe. And every time I watch it, I get kind of choked up because I, I'm so excited about this organization and then I realize, oh, I'm, I get to be a part of it. So it's a good place to be. So as you can see, we still have a lot of work to do in our community. Thank you to the hundreds of volunteers, and I see some of the crowd here today and our fabulous staff for making it all happen weekly, but also showing up with heart every day in our community. With the growing needs in our community and the partnerships we have developed we have, uh, with other agencies, we have currently outgrown our space. We have a great space, and we've been in there, I believe, six or seven years right now, but uh, the needs have changed, and our organization has changed. We are ridiculously excited uh, to see see the dream of a larger, more accessible space come to fruition. If you did not know, um, I'm sure you probably have heard about it, but if you did not know, we're moving to Main Street Plaza right on Main Street, and renovations are currently underway. We're hoping to see drywall going on this week. Red River College and the Filipino Restaurant will be staying on the north end of the building, and Central Station and the Winkler Food Cupboard will be taking over the south end of the building. This new space at Main Street Plaza will enable us to expand our reach and our visibility. We are centrally located. We're right behind that building right now. But if you haven't been to our place, we're on the only gravel road in Winkler, right in the heart of town. So we're excited to be visible and right on on the main street. This center of the renovation is going to be a large commercial kitchen, kind of like the heart of the home. If you envision coming into someone's house, where do you want to be? People tend to gather in the kitchen. And um, we're very excited and have developed the space to be, when you walk through the doors, you're going to walk through and see the kitchen first thing with a large um, 20-foot island that you can pull up a a stool and sit at the counter and uh, visit with volunteers that are preparing food there. So when you walk through the front lobby doors, you'll be invited to grab a cup of coffee, join a friend, sit on the couches, sit at the kitchen counter, and visit with those that are prepping meals. Community members may be at Central Station to use our meeting rooms for driver's ed, healthy baby, single and parenting classes or divorce care, mental health workshops, the community action training program, or a meal Our dining space will be multi-purpose with movable walls for these classroom settings and then with the capability to open up to seat 240 in the dining room and another 50 in the lobby area for large congregate meals. The food bank area will have a large walk-in freezer and cooler as well as open refrigeration similar to a grocery store to display the food that is donated to us as it nears expiry or needs to be distributed quickly due to damaged 
packaging or close expiry dates. We are so excited to have a floor layout that's going to be accessible to all and shared by community agencies to help families in our community to thrive. This last year has been, I should say the last two years, have been tumultuous to say the least. And we have seen an increased need for how we can serve and be a light in the community. We have launched a new program called the Community Action Training Program this year. This program is 10 weeks long with classes once a week. Participants in the class learn about food security, uh, employment and income assistance, CFS and youth trauma, addictions, navigating government benefits, cultural sensitivity, and more. These classes are packed with information on resources as well as how to be an advocate for yourself and for others. CAT graduates will have the tools that they need to work in our advocacy office and hopefully down the road as advocates in other locations through our community. This program is really designed for people with lived experience in poverty, providing opportunity for skill building, volunteer experience, and leadership development. We're, our first graduates are going to be graduating this week, Thursday, and we're so excited um, to celebrate their, their success there. Our Cafe 545 community meal continues to grow. Current restrictions, of course, limit us to serving a drive through meal on Monday, and we could not do this without an incredible team of volunteers. Great leadership from our kitchen coordinator, Marianne Hildebrandt, and continued donations. The numbers have grown not by tens this year, but by hundreds. In spring, we were, Marianne and I were talking, I believe, in June, and she said, what are we going to do when we hit 300? I don't know if we can do it. Um, and I would say in October, I believe, Uh, and November, we started hitting an average of 500 people per week, and it's consistently between 500 and 600 people that they're serving on Monday night. While this has not been an easy year, staff staff have adapted very quickly to doing many phone calls and check-ins with families to ensure that they are connected with and remain supported through this season. We have had opportunity to walk alongside families that have experienced suicide, drug overdoses, police visits, evictions, and family breakdowns. We know that we are called to do work that is honorable and right, sharing pure love and practical solutions to those that need support. Central Station will continue to be dedicated to the following four pillars, amplifying the voice of the voiceless, Investing in central homes, supporting and providing solutions for community members needing safe and affordable housing. Strengthening our community through partnerships, intentionally partnering with lots of local agencies to identify and remove barriers. And fourthly, providing a safe and comfortable community space where everyone who passes through the door will encounter radical love and acceptance. I've been clinging to my absolute favorite verse, Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I know that God has orchestrated the vision for this move, the purchase of the property by our shareholders that believe in the mission of Central Station. He has had his hand all over our work, every day. And so I trust that he will continue to provide for our needs financially as well as with the hundreds of volunteers we need each month. People like you that come for community meals, 
deliver groceries, cook, serve coffee, offer prayers, collect winter parkas, shovel snow, donate tomatoes, supply a mattress when we see a need, and more. I trust that God's going to continue to provide the hands and feet for to do his work in our community if daily we trust him to do that. So we can't wait. We live expectantly for the next way God's going to show up. In the form of finances, in the form of gifts, in the form of prayers, and in the form of volunteers. We anticipate this renovation project will cost $1.6 million, and we are over halfway to this goal already. We still need your help, though, and ask for your prayers, for your support, for your volunteer hours and donations. I'm so grateful for the Brickteller Church and the generosity of this church. Um, It's been a pleasure for me to interact with the missions team here um, and get to know what's happening in your church as well. I'm so grateful for you, and if I, I would love to share more with any of you. If you want to stop by or give me a call at the office, drop in for coffee. I'd love to share more about the work that we're doing um, as an extension of your church in the community. Thank you. That sounds like the church, doesn't it? <laughs> and it sounds like there's room for you to be involved if you want to be, so... Uh, uh, think about it, pray about it, and see where the Lord might point you. I know I was talking to somebody when uh, about getting people involved in in things of the church, and his his idea was, well, why don't we why don't we just ask people what they like to do, and then see where that joy can be plugged into uh, in a meaningful way for the sake of others. Well, a few announcements here this morning. Our missionaries of the week are Don and Char. Why not uh, pick up the phone or pull out a pen and paper and send them a note and encourage them? Um, If you look at uh, this week at Winkler Birchtaller, for Monday it says Missions Committee meeting at 7 p.m. Well, that is changed to Tuesday for the Missions Committee. And then related to that, of course, is the uh, leading with vision meeting. That is the group of people who signed up to be part of the church planning sessions. You're invited uh, back for Monday night, another session with uh, Daryl Kaler. And that will, uh, that will open the door to taking us a little further down the road we were going. I don't think we quite got there, and so uh, that's what that session's about. want to get those ideas out there. If you're looking for something to do, there's a Valentine's soup and pie supper. You will have noticed in the foyer some sign-up sheets, so why not sign up for that? And if February 14th doesn't come soon enough, uh, you can go to the Salem event. Turn the page to the back side there. Salem Home Ladies Auxiliary is having FOSPA in a box. And uh, if you place your orders uh, today or tomorrow, you can pick them up on Saturday the 12th. So... There's another date for you. Maybe you want to do both of them. And then also we've got uh, winter fun days happening today at Pembina Valley Bible Camp. Um, Read that and see if you want to go. And then we have uh, some concerns within our church, Uh, some of our people. uh, Olga Friesen is still at Boundary Trails. 
Uh, Jim Brown is at Swan Lake waiting for placement at Salem. And uh, Betty Reimer, also in Emerson, uh, I think also waiting for, for Salem. And then uh, an announcement, uh, Abe Suderman passed away on Wednesday, February 2nd. His funeral will be held this afternoon at 3 p.m. at the Emmanuel Mennonite Church. Proof of vaccination is required. He was the husband to Tina, a brother to Peter L. and Meg Suderman, and a brother also to Doreen and Alvin Hildebrand. I'll ask the ushers to come up at this time. Could we stand to pray? Father in heaven, we thank you that you love us. We thank you, Father, that um, in all of life and in, in all our trials and all our joys, you are there and you walk with us. And Father, we are grateful for you and for the Son who purchased our redemption and for your Spirit whom you put in those who believe so that we might have eyes to see and ears to hear your word. Father, this week we lift up before you uh, Don and Shar. Thank you for the work that they have been doing. Thank you for the preparation that they have been able to do during their time at home. And we pray that you would continue to uh, guide them as they're seeking next steps. Father, we also pray that you would be with our church as we enter into a final meeting of our planning sessions Monday night. Thank you for the opportunity that we've been able to do this, the guidance, the help that we've received, and we pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom, give us direction, and pour out your Spirit on us as we think about these things. Father, we also pray that your will would be accomplished in the lives of our people who suffer and those who walk with them. We think of Olga and um, also Jim Brown and Betty Reimer, George and Margaret Entz, and others, Father, who are suffering ill, and it is difficult. We pray that it would produce um, firmer faith, that it would produce in them a, a growing joy to know that uh, eternity will not be anything like this. We thank you, Father, also for those who grieve, and we pray that you would comfort them, and we think especially today of Tina, who will be burying her husband Abe, and we also think of Anne-Marie Wiebe, who recently buried Irvin. Father, grief is a deep and hard thing to bear. And so we pray that you would grant your comfort, embrace them with your arms of love, and anchor them with your peace. And then, Father, is also as we um, continue to uh, maneuver through COVID, I pray that you would help us in our relationships, help us to love each other, above all else, to love each other. And we pray that you would have your way in our lives. And Father, we also want to remember Central Station. Thank you for the uh, presentation we heard here this morning and the programs that they're offering and the many helps that they're offering to people in need, um, people who are new arrivals to this community and uh, people who struggle with addictions. There are many reasons why people go there for help. And we thank you, Father, for that ministry and the many who show up to serve there. 
And we pray uh, also that you would bless their graduation this week, and may it be a time of real celebration. Thank you, Father, for that work. Encourage us to be uh, to contribute to it in one way or another, and certainly to pray for it, and to be part of lifting up people out of their out of their ash heaps. Thank you, Father, for what you have given to us. I pray that you would make use of it for the good of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you be seated? Our scripture passage is found in James chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 19 to the end of the chapter from the New International Version. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves 
religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Carly was proud of how well she handled the situation with the stranger. The two had been sitting next to each other outside the doctor's office when Carly stepped away to go to the restroom. She had returned to find the girl casually thumbing through her teen magazine and Carly, that Carly had been reading. She was even dog-earing the pages one right after the other. What does she think that she's doing? Carly thought as she watched the girl handling the magazine. She had to know that it was mine because she was looking right at me while I was doing the crossword puzzle. To make matters worse, the girl closed the magazine, shoved it in her shoulder bag, and stood as the reception called out her name. Carly started to demand her magazine, but not wanting to embarrass the girl or cause a scene, she decided it wasn't worth it. Thinking about the incident later that evening, as she emptied out her shopping bag on the bed, Carly was thankful that she had not made a scene in the doctor's office. Not only would she have embarrassed the girl, but if she had gotten any, if she had gotten angry and insistent, She could have damaged her image as a Christian as well. Carly looked down at the item that she purchased that day. To her shock and embarrassment, there was her magazine. How easy it is to assume things to be one way, only to find that actually it is the opposite. That one reason, that's one reason the Bible says to be slow to speak. Acting on assumptions can sometimes result in a world of trouble. We can thank God you have or you can thank God you have wisdom and that he always guides our action. He sees a lot further than you and he is always working on your behalf. Close quote. The story that I read was taken from a devotional entitled Daily Grace for Teens. However, I believe the book could be called Daily Grace for everyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ. We all need encouragement for the race that we run in life. And that is the theme of the book of James, and that is what we are studying together. In the last couple of messages, we examined how a follower of Jesus responds to trials and temptations. And the answer is found in one's reaction to the response of God's word. To be consistent in handling every adversity and situation correctly, the believer needs to be walking with Jesus daily in prayer and in the word. This morning, we want to look at how to respond to the truth of God's word found in verses 19 through 27. How to respond to the truth of of God's words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, realize how important it is to have this relationship with you. Often we run ahead. Often we do things on our own strength, not paying close attention to your word. And so many times we think we can only say 
a sentence or two in prayer, and off to work we go. Off we do the things. We'll look into the word and spend five minutes there. And yet, Lord, we realize that that is not enough time for us to conform to your image. Help us to realize that we need to examine ourselves before the word as we walk with you in fellowship. I pray now that you'd go with us into the rest of the message. May the things that we read and how you speak, may it be pressed upon our hearts. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. How to respond to the truth of God's word. Number one, by hearing and accepting the word. By hearing and accepting the word found in verses 19 through 21. My dear brothers, James says, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness, the righteous life that God desires. Notice the three phrases that James uses here. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The question is, what are we supposed to be quick to listen to? Because that's what we're wondering. The con- in the context of verses 19 through 27, it is the word of God. Verse 21 says this, the word implanted in you. Verse 22 says, listen to the word. Verse 23 says, listen to the word. Verse 25 says, the perfect law that gives freedom. We are to be quick to listen to the word of God. Also notice that James mentioned the word slow twice. Twice he mentions that. This is because we are to be slow to speak and slow to get angry. This is again in relation to the word of God. When God speaks to us, we may not like what he says and even get angry about it. When God speaks to us, we are to listen. When we know the Lord has told us something, then no amount of talking with God will help. Sometimes when God speaks to us, we'd rather just pray about it and pray about it some more and pray about it some more because we don't want to do what the Lord has told us to do. Moses found out that when God told him to go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let his people go, that he didn't want to do that. He tried to make all kinds of excuses why he shouldn't go. But he he didn't accept God's word. Finally, God's anger burned against him. It does not help to argue with God if he has told you what to do already. That's why we are to accept the word of God. We are to accept what he says. We also find another important principle. We are, we are to be slow to get angry because verse 20 says this, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Moses' life, uh, uh, Moses' life once again is the prime example. Uh, 
In Numbers chapter 20, the Israelites began to quarrel with Moses and Aaron and complained bitterly about their lack of provision and also their lack of water. They had said it would have been better if we had just stayed in Egypt and we had died there. They grumbled and complained, not only against God, but against Moses and Aaron. God then told Moses to go and take his staff, gather the people, speak to the rock, and bring out the water from the rock. Now listen what happens to Moses and Aaron when they go and do this. Numbers chapter 20, verses 9 through 12, says this. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as commanded, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and the livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough Honor me as holy in the sight of is of in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave I give them. Close quote. This is a very important lesson for us to learn. When one displays anger. It demonstrates a lack of control, a lack of trust in God, and it dishonors God. Therefore, it does not accomplish God's desire, even if it's righteous anger. And sometimes we think if it's righteous anger, we can just haul off and just tell everybody. But it brings dishonor to God. Moses had every right to display his rage against the Israelites, or did he? Did he? Did he really? But he pays the consequences because he did. They were rebels. They fought against God. They hated what God was telling them to do. However, anger on display plays into the devil's hand, and it takes our eyes off God and places our focus on someone else or something else. Moses pays an incredible price for his act of disobedience, and it came forth first because of anger, which led to disobedience. He paid a price. And because of that, he could not lead the children of Israel into the land flowing with milk and honey. He came back another time and he begged God to let him go. And God said, no more. Don't talk to me about this. No more. 
Now, these three principles can be applied to our conversation with others. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If we do not listen to the other person when they speak, we show disrespect. If we do all the talking, we devalue the other person. Sometimes we may think we're winning the argument when the opposite is just happening and we are closing the other person's spirit as we think we're going to convince them of our way. If we are quick to get angry and display it, it is the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. And it brings not only dishonor to the one to oneself, but it also brings dishonor to God himself. James therefore says in verse 21, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. The word planted in us means that God has put it in us. Our old nature, our old self fights against God and we may even be a Christian. But the old nature comes back and that's why we have to align it to the word of God all the time. That's why we have to study it. That's why we have to walk with the Lord in the morning, in the evenings. We need to parallel our lives to what the scripture says. So the first thing we learn about how to respond to the truth of God is to accept God's word. We must accept his word when he speaks to us. This leads us to the second thing that we learn to respond to the truth of God's word, which is number two, act on God's word. We must act on God's words, verses 22 through 25. Did you know that there are people who love learning so much that they continue to take classes, but they never get a full-time job? They are known as professional. They are known as a professional student, and according to Wikipedia, the term "professional student" is a slang term commonly used in colleges to describe a student who stays in school for many years rather than embarking on a career. And there's lots of people who want to study, and that's all what they want to do. They want to learn, but they never want to go out and use what they learn about. You see, in other words, they, have, they are ever learning, but never putting into practice what they have learned. Listen to what James tells us in verse 21. He, or 22, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, James chapter 1, verse 21, uh, 22. James uses a strong word when he says, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. According to the New American Standard Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek dictionary, it says this about the Greek word in deceive. The, the word is paralogisma, and it is to miscalculate or to reason falsely. 
The word deceive means to miscalculate or to reason falsely. James is saying that a believer can miscalculate or reason falsely to think that as long as they listen to sermons, read the Bible or Christian material, go to Sunday school, have Bible study, and all of those things, that that is all what is required of the believer. Thus, the Christian deceives himself into believing they can listen to the word and not be a doer of the word. There are two types of deception. One is being deceived by oneself, and the other one is being deceived by others. And the one who deceives himself is even worse. Because once you have allowed to yourself to be deceived, you can no longer distinguish between good and evil. Such as when people have gone into Jehovah's Witnesses or to Mormonism, Christian science, the prosperity gospel, or many other Christian cults. We call them Christian cults, and here's the reason why they're Christian cults. Cults would be like something like Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, those are cults of a different God, a different nature. Christian cults in the other realm is this. It is cults that disguise themselves as Christian with a veneer of Christianity upon them. And then we have the occult, which is going straight into devil worship and Satan worship. We must remember that we can allow ourselves to be deceived. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. The question is, how can a person who is a non-believer cast out demons and perform miracles in Jesus' name? We ask that. How is that possible? The answer is that Jesus will honor his name even if a person uses it and does not know him. Even an atheist or an agnostic could tell someone the gospel because they know it in their head, but they do not possess it in their heart, and they could tell somebody else, and somebody else could make a decision for Jesus Christ because their heart will respond to the truth. Then in verse 23, James go on, and he says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, 
He will be blessed in what he does. Here James uses the illustration of the mirror and compares it to the word of God. A person looks in the mirror to see if their face is dirty. And when they use the reflection to begin when they when they use the reflection they begin to remove the dirt and the stains from their face. In the same way, when a believer looks into the word, it shows them that their life is not in line with God. It's not parallel, that there is something wrong. Then the believer can seek the Lord and remove any dirt or stain in their life. This is called maturity. It's called growing in the Lord. It's possible to be a Christian and to remain a baby throughout your lifetime and not remove things in your life that God is calling you and I to remove. Many sincere believers read the Bible every day, but they do not take the time to examine their lives and put into practice what they have learned. It takes effort. It takes hard work, but there's great blessing in it. Thus, many times people fail then to obey the Lord. When we look in the mirror, being in a rush, we can see or not see the dirt on our face. When we're in the rush, we just go in. We quickly look. We're going to work. We're going to go out with friends. We want to see what we look like. We want to make sure that our clothes are right. Whatever. We look. We want to look good. But sometimes we can look so quick in the mirror that we fail even to see that we are not properly trimmed. If we see dirt we might not even do a good job of cleaning it because we're in such a hurry. Or if we do see any dirt, even though the mirror is showing it, we can't clean it because we didn't really see it when we looked in the mirror we were in such a hurry. That's why it takes more than five minutes in a day to spend time in the Word and to align ourselves with the Scriptures to align ourselves with God. Spiritual growth can only come as we spend time in his word. It comes no other way. It comes with work. It comes as we cry out to God. It comes as we depend upon him. Now here is the exciting part in verse 25. It says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He will be blessed in what he does. The word of God is called the perfect law that gives freedom. It gives freedom. As soon as we align ourselves with God's word, we have freedom. Freedom in conscience, freedom in a pure life, and freedom to enjoy a close, intimate, deep walk 
with the Lord. Without that freedom, there's not an intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. However, notice that James says, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Notice the action is continual. It is not just doing it once or this week and getting really into the word and then forgetting about it for the next two weeks. It is a continuous action. Those who walk with the Lord, those who are asking the Lord, those who are seeking him, their lives are being transformed on a daily basis. So the first thing that we have learned about how to respond to the truth of God's word is to accept God's word. The second thing that we um, learn or the principle that we have learned is to act on God's word. And now we come to the third and final principle that we learn about how to respond to the truth of God's word. And that is number three, abide by the word. Verses 26 through 27, abide by the word. Listen once again to what James says in verses 26 and 27. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our fathers accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look at orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself being polluted by the world. In verse 26, James focuses on three words, which is religious, tongue, and deceive. First, what does it mean to be religious? It is an outward practice of what one believes. If a person says one thing and does something else, they become a hypocrite. We have all done this at some time in our lives, but it can become a habit for some believers that they never take time to really study the word and to align themselves with God's word and the sinful habit that they have continues to grow. The second is the tongue. The second word is the tongue. It is the hardest thing for the person to control. James chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 talks about taming the tongue. When anger comes to the surface, it often expressed by the tongue. It is the tiny spark soon becomes a roaring fire that cannot be controlled. One, once, or, uh, one person insults the other with what they say, and the other turns their tongue into a sword and lops off the person's head. And so the fight begins, and it continues to escalate. And it is because of anger. And it's because we can't control the anger. And so we continue to mount against one another. The third word 
that is here is deceive. Once again, we can deceive ourselves into believing something that isn't, isn't true. We can be deceived. We may think we are living in line with God's word, yet we are far from what God is asking us to do. In verse 26, James talks about a pure and faultless religion. According to James, pure religion is ministering to others' needs and keeping oneself from being polluted or unstained by the world. How do we live this out? Look around and see people who are in need. They may be someone in the church, your neighbor, where you live, or people here in Winkler and our community who need food, and clothing, and to hear the gospel. One cannot minister to everyone. We know that. We can't do it by ourselves or alone. But we can all minister to someone. And better yet, we can all minister together as a team by getting together and ministering to other individuals. We become more effective at that time. We're able to reach out farther. We're able to go beyond. But more important, it's not just about letting other people do it. It's about becoming involved so we can do it, so we can make contact with people. James says in verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, the less fortunate, those who cannot help themselves. We are to look after them. We are to reach out to them. Then James says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, he adds that last part, and that is to keep oneself oneself from being polluted by the world. Jesus associated with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and the society's outcasts. He didn't participate in their lifestyle, but he didn't reject the people either. Instead, he ministered by becoming their friends and sharing the good news that he came to save them. We cannot truly minister to people if we only meet their needs and their outward, uh, their, their outward physical needs. They're still going to go to hell if they do not know Jesus Christ. And we minister in Jesus' name with what he has given us, with our finances, with other stuff that he's given us physically that we can minister to people, whether it would be clothes and furniture or whatever. And that is so that we can not only touch them physically, but we can share the gospel that it changes their lives for the rest of this life as well as eternity. The mission is before us, and it is to reach out. As we live in the world, we can minister and not be polluted by the world. We can't be out of the world. We're in the world, but we are not polluted by the world as we serve Christ. 
I close with the three quotes found in your, this morning's bulletins. If you have your morning bulletins, take them and turn with me to them. Three different quotes from three different authors And this is what they say. Quote number one from L.J. Ogilvie. Each time a person is confronted with the opportunity to respond to the truth of God, refusal of that opportunity results in the hardening of the heart. Second quote taken from T.R. Jennings with the God-shaped heart. And when we, we respond to the truth and open our hearts to the truth, the Holy Spirit is there to burn out defects of character and create God-shaped hearts of love within us. And quote number three, really a prayer taken from R.J. Morgan. So grant, Lord, that we'd be open to the truth of your word, that we would respond to the truth of your word, and that we would obey. Let's take our hymn books and sing together number 577, When We Walk with the Lord, a good and fitting closer to this morning.
Would you please stand with me for the benediction? Luke writes this in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we thank you for the word and we thank you for our lives and that you give us the power and the strength when we cry out to you to change our lives. And Lord, as we align ourselves, not only on just a monthly basis, but on a daily basis, we pray, Father, that as we look into the word daily, it will become the mirror so that we can bring whatever before you and you can correct within us any stain or blemish that is there so we can align ourselves with your word. I pray, Father, now that as we go into this new week, week that is before us, that you'd give us strength, guide us, guide our thoughts, guide our minds, and Lord, draw us to the scriptures morning and evening where we can read your word, study it, pray, and walk with you. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated, and the ushers will dismiss us by our cohorts.